Good morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 this morning. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, that'd be great. Luke chapter 24. You know, I thought, coming here this morning, I thought, what is it that I would want anybody that I meet to know about me and to know that is the, that I, what I think is the most important thing in my life, what should be the most important thing in all of our lives as Christians? Who is the most important person to me? Well, I thought about that, and it's absolutely, completely, and totally Jesus. He's who we're here for. He is why we've joined together. It's because of him. We don't come here just to talk about him. We don't come here to tell stories about him. We come here to know him. We come here to have a relationship with him. We come here to, to represent him as we go out these doors to this community, to this world, to be his ambassadors, to be his hands, to be his feet. And, and it's so important for me to, for all of us to understand that we're here because of Jesus. That's why we're here. And so I was praying about what to teach, what to share, what to preach on. And and Lord brought me to Luke chapter 24. And so let's go ahead and read the first two verses. Luke chapter 24, verse 13, we'll start in. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. This is an amazing story, an amazing thing that happened. Uh, uh, The Lord's given us a view into a point of history, a point of time that is just amazing. Here's Jesus who walked on this earth 33 years, 33 and a half years approximately was his, you know, his lifespan until he was crucified and of course resurrected. Three and a half years of ministry he did. And in that short period of time, it's amazing how God, how Jesus has impacted this world. I start to think about that and I think you know, about Jesus, about his, his, his past, about where he came from, you know, born to a virgin. And he knew that, and we know that from the word, but everybody around him, they didn't know that. They just thought he was an illegitimate child. They just thought he was an illegitimate kid. They looked at his mom, they looked at Mary, they looked at Joseph, and they said, you know, Joseph, how in the world, you know, what kind of man are you to stay with a woman that would do this? And this is the background, being teased maybe, being made fun of, coming from a small town, a small community, where people made fun of, of his community, where people said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, he didn't have the movie cameras. He didn't have the news crews. He didn't have those things around to proclaim who he was, to speak his message to. There wasn't CNN, there wasn't Fox News, there wasn't all these competing networks to present Jesus, to make him famous, to get him in his 15 minutes of fame. And yet this man came to this earth. He was born He lived 2,000 years ago, and yet today we stand here right now, and we're still talking about him. We're still discussing him. We're talking about him because we know one thing. We know that he's alive, and he's real, and he's powerful. And for many of us in this room, he's changed our lives. And the first thing that the Lord has, has put on my heart today is that it's to understand that Jesus is controversial. Jesus is controversial. I think this is so interesting in this text here because in verse 14 it says, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. You can see him discussing this, going, you know, can you believe what happened? Oh my goodness, we didn't think it was going to work out this way. This isn't what we had thought. This isn't how we saw it. This isn't what we planned. They're talking about these things. 
Jesus, throughout the world, when you bring up the name of Jesus, people have opinions, don't they? Everywhere you go. And man, they have some weird, wacky opinions. Some people have some right-on opinions. But everybody has an opinion about Jesus. Everybody does. And Jesus said that's, that's how it'd be. That he was going to come, and when, when people talked about him, and when he confronted people's lives, that it'd cause reactions. Things would take place. Things would happen. Matthew chapter 10, 34 through 38, is an interesting passage. And Jesus says, don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Pretty controversial words, aren't they? It's, it's confrontational. It's controversial. Hey, when people talk about me, Jesus is saying, they're going to have opinions. And there's going to be divisions. And one's going to be on this side and one's going to be on that side. And people are going to have to choose sides. You're going to have to decide where they stand. Everybody has an opinion on Jesus. What's your opinion? What's your opinion of who Jesus is? Where do, where, what side do you stand on? What team are you on? Are we for him or are you against him? I remember years ago when I was working as a youth pastor, just this whole idea of controversy. I remember this, this boy that was invited to the youth group. Now, this kid came to the youth group, and he was a Satanist. I, you know, he came to the youth group. The guy read the Satanic Bible, literally. He would read the Satanic Bible, and he came to the youth group. And I remember him the, fir- the first night meeting him. He had, you know, a T-shirt on of these, you know, Satanic bands and all this stuff. And he had this attitude, and he had this white face makeup, and he had this, you know, dog collar necklace. And he was, you know, thought he was tough stuff, you know. And, and I said, why are you here, man? You know, what'd you come for? I was just curious. He said, well, I came to prove that this is all baloney. This is all false. This isn't true. That's what I came to do. I came to prove that this isn't real. I came to prove that, that you guys are crazy for following Jesus. Okay, man, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> okay, sit on down. Welcome. We love you anyway. <laughs> it's okay. So he comes and he sits down. A few weeks go by and we had a, um, and he came a couple times off and on over the next month or so. We had this concert we were going to take a bunch of the kids to. There was myself and another youth pastor and we were ministering these kids together and I'm going to take these kids to this concert of this group that we all loved back then. They were called Stavesacre. They're just this hardcore rock group that all of us liked, and the kids loved them. And so we were going to go to this concert. And uh, the, the other youth pastor, he had this great idea. He said, you know, we'll take you all to this concert. We'll cover the cost. We'll drive you up there. It's five hours away from the city we're in. Um, all you need to do is bring someone that doesn't know Jesus. Just bring someone that doesn't know the Lord, and we'll all go together. So that was what they had to do to come. So... One of, the, my, one of the kids in the youth group, he brings this guy, Alan, the Satanist kid. I thought, okay, great. So we take this guy. Now, you know, we thought he was decked out when he came to, to youth group. But when he came to this, go to this concert, you should have seen what he was wearing. <laughs> you know, he was ready to go. And we're just, okay, Alan, let's go, man. So we go, we drive to this concert. We get there, and it was, it was just awful weather. It was rainy. It was just looking like it was going to rain at any minute. And we get to this concert that should have been packed, and there were maybe 100 people there. That's it. And this is a pretty well-known big band, and there's only 100 people there. 
And I was thankful. The band says, we don't care. We're going to, you know, sing anywhere. We're going to do, do this. So the band gets up, and they start, they start singing. And there's like a, a pit in front of the stage and like a sectioned-off place where you can't approach the stage, you know, right up to the front. You can't go there. And we're all right in the front row. And Alan's standing like this. He's right there, just looking as hard as he can possibly look. Well, the lead singer of this band, Staves Acres, a guy named Mark Solomon, and the guy's pretty tough looking. He's ball-headed, like some of us in here. (laughs) He's got a little soul patch going, and he's got these eyes that are creepy because they're so blue, they almost freak out. You've met people like that and seen eyes like that. You're just like, whoa, are those real? You know? And, and he's intense. He's an intense guy. And so we're at this concert, and Alan's there. Well, they start to sing this one song, and Alan's just standing there staring. Mark Solomon's up on the stage singing, and there's a song they have called Colt 45. And it is an intense song. And Mark Solomon wrote this song because there's this, uh, this friend of his that he has in a secular group. Um, it it's really doesn't matter what the group is, but it's a pretty well-known group, and he's friends with the lead singer of that group, and they're just totally anti-Christ, anti-Christian, but he's friends with this guy, and he wrote this song thinking about this man. So it's confrontational. And he comes down off the stage, and he goes right up to Alan, and he gets this close to him, and he begins to sing this song right to his face. <laughs> right to his face. And we're all standing there. And Alan's like this, and they're having this staring contest, him and the lead singer. And the words of the song, I just got to share a few of them. One of the things it says, I thought about what you said. Something occurred to me. You wouldn't ask me to turn my back on anything if you believed what I believe. The truth is I would love to show you. Take faith and works to another higher stage. These lyrics are confrontational. One of the things he says is don't just talk this time. You know, step up to the line. Don't just talk this time. Action begs reaction. What are you going to do? The whole song's about what are you going to do with the Lord? What are you going to do with Jesus? And he's saying this right to this kid's face. It was really amazing. And, you know, then he finished and went back up on stage, and the concert continued on, and we got to talk to the band a little bit afterwards. And so we all take off, and we go to Denny's, you know, like 3 in the morning after the concert. We're all sitting around the table at Denny's, and we're talking, and we look to Alan. So, Alan, what'd you think of the concert? That was the best concert I've ever been to in my entire life. Uh, he was so, I can't believe it. I mean, it just started pouring out of him. A week later, he came to know Jesus as his Savior. Jesus is confrontational. Jesus looked into Alan's heart, and he used the vessel of Mark Solomon and said, I want you, Alan. I love you. I came and I died on the cross for you. I rose from the dead, and I want a relationship with you. What are you going to do about it, Alan? Jesus is controversial. He's confrontational. It's the same thing with each one of us. What are we going to do with Jesus? Where do we stand? Jesus made statements that forced an opinion. Jesus made statements. I hear so many people talk about, well, Jesus, you know, peace, love, dove, this whole thing, and it's great. And, you know, Jesus was a peacemaker, a man of peace. But I'll tell you, the statements he made and some of the things he did when we think of turning over the, the tables in the temple, the money changers' tables and things like that. When we think of this statement, you know, when he said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a statement that forces an opinion, isn't it? He says, I'm it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. There's no way around it. There's no way around me. There's no other way to go to heaven. There's no other way to be with God. There's no other way to eternal life except through me. That's a statement that forces an opinion. 
That's a statement that many people think is controversial. But he said it. If there's one thing that people seem to talk about all the time and and pick, pick, pick at believers in Jesus about, it's this whole idea of us being exclusive. Well, you're too narrow. You're too exclusive, they say. You can't believe, you know, it's not fair for you to force your opinions onto us. You know, that's good for you. How many people have ever said that to you? Have you shared the Lord with people? And they said, you know, that's a good thing for you. That's a good thing for you. But, you know, it's just not for me. Jesus is good for all of us. (laughs) That's it. He's not good for me, not good for you. He's good for everybody. Jesus didn't give people, he didn't afford people the opportunity to say, that's good for you, but I'll choose this way. He said, I am the way. That's what he said. And, and I see these disciples on the road talking about these things, and they're talking about these issues and Jesus and this man and what he'd done and his, his, his life and his ministry. You know, I, imag- I imagine discussing these things, discussing, you know, how they were shocked at how these things took place. What happened? Man, this is not what we expected. We thought this guy was going to come and conquer, and then he, they put him on a cross. They murdered him. What's going on? They are talking. They had opinions. It was controversial. You know, they struck the shepherd and the sheep scattered. You know, the disciples took off and hid, most of them. You know, these things took place. It was was controversial. And it still is today, and he still is today. So in verse 15, it goes on to say, So it was, Luke 24, verse 15, So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. (laughs) What a, that's so amazing. Here they are talking about this controversial issue, this situation, all this that had happened, all that had taken place. And, and what happens? Jesus draws near to them. He comes down and just starts walking with them. Can you imagine that? That's just amazing. And they said it said they were conversing and reasoning with each other. And Jesus just came down and just started, you know, he's walking along with them. There he is. Jesus is relational. He's relational. He wants relationships with us. He wants a relationship with people. That's what's important. That's what happened with that kid, Alan. Jesus said, I'm not content for you just to know about me or you just to hear about me. I want you to relate to me. I want to relate to you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I love this. It says that they conversed and reasoned with each other. They reasoned. This word reasoned talks about seeking or examining something together. I think that's so important. I believe with all my heart that loving and knowing Jesus is reasonable. It makes sense. There's this attitude sometimes that the world has, and even people in the church can have, that God wants us to check our brains at the door when we come to know him. Let's just check out. Well, you have blind faith. You know, your faith is a blind faith. Anybody ever said that to you before? My faith is not blind. My faith is in Christ. I go into my relationship with him and have come to know him with my eyes open. I was blind before I knew him. <laughs> now I see. And as we come to know Jesus, as, we, as we, we reason with them, we see it says in Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, sit down and let's talk this out together. Let's discuss it. You know, let me show you how reasonable it is. Let me tell you something. Reasonable. A relationship with Jesus Christ is so reasonable. How many of you, if we just think about it, how many of us think about our walk with the Lord and think about our lives and think about what Jesus has really offered us and given us, what he's done for us, how he's died on the cross to to cleanse us of our sins, to wash us clean. He was resurrected. 
you know, he's giving us grace that we do not deserve, that we can't earn. He's shown us mercy when we deserve to be punished. You know, that's, that's what he's done for us. And this is what he comes down and says, let me talk to you. Let me show you, show you how reasonable this is. Let me tell you, I'm willing, Jesus, I'm willing to do all the work. I just want you to love me. I'm willing, I'm willing to change you, to transform you, to cleanse you, to make you. If any man be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Just, just, let's just have a relationship. Let's just discuss these things. And this is what Jesus did. He drew near and went with them. And he was, you know, I guarantee he was a part of this conversation. God's not impersonal outside looking in. He related with them. He joined in. He inserted himself in the conversation they were having. I think that's so important. You know, when we're coming and we're fellowshipping and we're sharing time with each other, whether it's here in, this, in a building or whether it's outside these walls or whether it's in our own homes, we're the church, not the building. We're the church. He's, he's in us. He's with us. He goes with us when we go, when we discuss these things. I think that's important. When we talk about Jesus, he's inserting himself in the conversation. He's included. He wants to be a part. He wants to be there. He's involved, you know. And I think that's so important. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That is amazing. God with us. That was his name, Jesus, Emmanuel. They'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. That God desired us so much, loves us so much, that he came down from heaven, clothed himself in humanity to be God with us, to have a conversation with us. I don't know about you, but, you know, I've um, been involved in ministry and in church for a long time, and it's, it's so crazy to me how some pastors of these huge churches, you know, I've gone to churches before with, you know, 15, 20,000 people even, gigantic, some of the biggest churches in the United States. And I'm telling you what, it's like an act of Congress to get a meeting with the pastor. You know, you got to go through all these channels, you know, you got to make phone calls, there's always a secretary, and then, you know, it's just this whole process. You know, when you call up, you know, I've never found to be able to just call up and right there, hey, how are you doing? You know, I want to talk with you. The closest you'll get to hearing the pastor sometimes is the message they leave on the answering machine that they did in their own voice. No access. No access. And yet here's Jesus. Our Jesus came down for a relationship with us. Came down and came to us to speak to us, to talk to us, to, 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 to reach out to us, to, to give us total access to him. It's amazing to have that relationship with him. And we see it throughout Scripture, how relational Jesus was, how important that was to him. John chapter 4, 4 through 30, we see the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And, you know, when you think of that story, you think, oh, that's fantastic. Jesus went and talked to a woman. That's huge back then in that day because women really, you know, had a very low place in society. You know, they, weren't, they were looked down upon in a lot of ways. You know, Jesus did more to elevate women than anyone in history. He said in his word, as he inspired it, he said that when you're in Christ, we're all the same, neither male nor female, slave nor free man, Jew nor Gentile. He put us all on equal footing. That's amazing. And he proved it. That's what I love about Jesus. He didn't just talk about things. He he didn't just say, this is the way I expect you to live and what I want you to do. He did it first. He did it first. He went to the Samaritan woman. You know, back in this time in history, the Samaritans, 
they were, you know, half-breeds to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people wouldn't even go through Samaria. You know, it was quicker for them to just cut through Samaria to get from one place in Israel to the other, to get to where they wanted to go. It was quicker. But they wouldn't do it. They said, no, we don't want to even touch or be near those Samaritans. They're just, they're not, one, they're not of us. They're different from us. You know, they worship a different way. They worship on a different mountain. They have a whole different set of, of, of rules. We don't want anything to do with them. So they'd go all the way around. And I'm thinking that these disciples that were with Jesus, these nice Jewish guys are going, what in the world are you going through there for? <laughs> don't you know that we go around? No, Jesus went right to that well at that right time to meet with that woman. And what did he do? He just struck up a conversation. He just talked with her about life. He told her things about herself that showed her he knew who she was and he cared about who she was. He loved her so much that even when he confronted her about her past, the sin of her life, the husband that she's, she, the husband she's had and the person that she wasn't married to, she didn't run in tears away from him, devastated. He hates me. He doesn't love me. I can't believe it. No. Because she, he, she knew that he loved her. He cared about her. He discussed with her religion. He discussed with her this re, these religious ideas. Oh, you know, let's talk about worship. Let's talk about this. What's going on? He had a discussion with her. And he showed her, let me tell you what this is all about. It doesn't matter this hill. It doesn't matter this hill. What matters is me. The time has come where we worship God in spirit and truth. I'm in front of you. I'm your Messiah. I'm your Savior. This is who I am, and I love you, and I want a relationship with you. Jesus is relational, and he wants the same thing with us. He wants that relationship, and that's what he, he desires from us. Are we building relationships with people? Are we allowing people access into our lives? Are we coming to church on Sunday mornings and saying, well, I've done my duty, and I can go and do what I want the rest of the week? Are we coming saying, man, I need to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I need to pray for them and them to pray for me. I need that. I desire that. I'm hungry for this. And are we going out to this world? And are we taking the message of the gospel? And are we relating to people? That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus did. That's what he still does now. He relates to people. It's just amazing to me. And it says... In verse 16, it says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. So he's down there. He's having a conversation. He's inserted himself into the conversation. He's relating to them. But their eyes were restrained. Something held them back. They didn't know him. You know, this was a part of his plan at this time and what he was doing. But I started to think about that. What holds back our eyes from seeing Jesus? What holds us back from having that relationship with Christ and the relationship with one another? Well, there's a few different things. I see there's, you know, we could talk all day about different things that can do that. But some of the main things, I think one big thing that holds us back from relationship with the Lord and with one another and with the world is legalism. Legalism. This attitude of legalism. If you want to come to know the Lord, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to say this. You've got to say that. There used to be this Christian singer named Steve Taylor, and um, he had one of the, the, the song, and I really thought it was great. And one of the lines in the songs, if you want to be one of his, you've got to act like one of us. <laughs> that was the line in the song. And so many times, that's what happens. We get together with a group of people, and they say, if you want to be called one of God's chosen, you've got to be like we are. You need to dress. You need to act. You need to look like us. 
And, and everybody starts to conform to this image. And, you know, they start to set up these rules and regulations. And I think that legalism really keeps our eyes from seeing Jesus for who he is, from having that relationship with him. Our, our relationship with Jesus is not about rules and regulations. I love him and I obey his word and I want to live a life that's holy and set apart for the Lord because I love him. Not because I have to, but because I get to. <laughs> because it's a blessing. Because it's freeing. We've been freed from sin and death. You know, sometimes I get around believers in, in certain circles and I feel like, you know, um, my pastor used to say, you know, it's like they're baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> you know, just sour. You know, you got to do it. It's not free and I feel chains coming on to me. What are you talking about? You know, loving the Lord, there's joy in knowing the Lord. But legalism can keep us from relating to Jesus and relating to others. I think sometimes programs can do the same thing. Packaging Christianity. You know, let's market it. You know, let's take these business principles and apply it to the Word of God and the body of Christ. And if you just apply these principles, you can win friends, influence people, and grow your church in three easy steps. Programs and packages, it's ridiculous to me. Who grows the church? Jesus. Who loves the church? Jesus. Who relates to the church? Jesus. Who came to save? Jesus. What did he come for? To seek and save those who are lost. He didn't come to give us this package, you know, and, and this nice little box that it's all tied into and say, here you go. You know, this is how you do it. I was talking with some, you know, my friends here through the weekend, and I said, you know, I don't think that the Bible is a self-help book. I don't like this philosophy of, you know, take two scriptures and call me in the morning, you know. It's not about programs. I think we can get so wrapped up into programs and into structure and into packaging and marketing that we forget to relate, that we need to relate to Jesus, that he came to have a relationship with us. I don't want to take a program out these doors and sell that program to people. I don't want to sell them anything. I want them to see Jesus in my life, the relationship with I, that I have with him, the passion in my heart that comes from him. And I want them to say, I got to have what he has. I got to have that. And when they ask, it's Jesus. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's him. He's changed me. He's, he saved me. You know? And the other thing I think that gets in the way of us seeing Jesus and relating to him is religion itself. <laughs> religion gets in the way. Religion gets in the way of a relationship because it says we can figure out God. This is what you have to do. This is who you have to be. This is how you have to conform. You know? I heard someone say one time, and I think it's great, if God was small enough for us to understand, he would not be big enough for us to worship. And I think that's so true. What I love about Jesus in my relationship with him, and as he comes and speaks with me, and I speak with him, and as, we, as I pray and, and you know, hear his voice and read his word, what I love is that every time there's something new. Every time. Every time I, di- I see a different part of who he is. And it, it just continues. You think that, oh, that's too much, Lord, I can't. And it just shows you more. You, know? you go deeper and deeper. Verse 17. Let's go over to verse 17. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So here he is, you know, they're talking about all these things. They're having a conversation and reasoning with one another. And Jesus inserts himself into the conversation and says, hey, you know, I want to relate. I want to be involved. Include me in this. Let's talk. And then he says to him, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? 
What, you look bummed out. You're sad. What's going on? I love this. Do you think, did, did Jesus know what they were talking about, you guys? Absolutely. He knew. He knew. But Jesus is personal. He's personal. I love that. He's personal. Jesus, Jesus noticed them. He cared about them. He didn't take this time and say, well, let me give you this explanation. and Let me talk to you. Let me set your theology straight. The first thing he did was notice them as human beings. You're sad. Why? He related to that, their humanity. He was personal to them. It's so important for us to be that same way in the body of Christ. Do we allow people to know us personally? Do we allow people to enter into our lives? Do we go out and relate to people in a personal way? This is so important and so huge because I believe with all my heart, the world knows how to recognize a phony. They know how to spot it. You know, it's crazy. You, you look at these churches and, man, I'll tell you, I get, um, I, you know, see some of these guys on TV and, and some of the things they do and these big, these people that are just going to these televangelists and pastors' churches. And you know what? I'll tell you, I've had some of the funniest conversations with people that aren't Christians, don't know the Lord, just talking about these televangelists. <laughs> you know? And it's like they can see right through the acts that these people are putting on, the shows that they're putting on. And it, it's, it's a joke to them. They laugh. The world can spot a phony so quickly. They can spot that. I, I have a good buddy of mine, and he told me this story, and he's actually, you know, giving me the liberty to share it. <laughs> I appreciate that. But he said one time he had a friend, and this lady uh, came to him, and she said, buddy, you know, I need your help. My, my daughter um, just told me that she is, you know, she's become a lesbian. And I'm devastated. My daughter just told me she's, she's made this declaration. I'm a lesbian, Mom, you know, and I don't know what to do. Would you please, would you go and talk to her? You've got to do, you do something. You've got to fix her. You've got to set this right. You've got to do something. You know, she was desperate. So my friend goes, okay. So, you know, he drove. She lived, you know, three hours away from where he lived, and he made a point, called her up, and, hey, you know, can we get together? Oh, I haven't seen you for a long time. I just want to get together. And, oh, that sounds great. Okay, sure. Because he'd known her. That's why this girl's mom called him, because they had had a friendship in the past and knew each other in youth group, you know. And he drove up to see her, sits down with her, starts talking with her. They're spending some time together. Fifteen minutes or so go by, and she says, you don't care about me. You don't care about me at all. All you've come to try to do is to, is to stop me from being a lesbian. <laughs> That's what matters. You don't care about me. And my friend had to stop, and he goes, she's right. I came with an agenda. <laughs> I came with an idea. I came because I was going to fix her. I was going to tell her what the word said about that. I was going to set her straight, and I was going to change her. She saw right through that. She saw right through that agenda and realized that that's all that mattered to him at that point, not her. People know this. They see that. We need to be personal with people. We need to go to them and relate to them through Jesus Christ and not have an agenda. Not say, you're a means to an end. People are not conquest to Jesus Christ. He takes it personal. He takes us personal. He takes them personal. They matter to him. We matter to him. This world matters to him. The sins and the pains that they go through move his heart. And they need to move our hearts too. He was moved with compassion. We looked upon the people who were like sheep that had no shepherd. He was moved with compassion in his heart over them. Yeah, all these sinners, all kinds of sin. He loved them anyway. He was moved with compassion for them. 
It's so important to understand he was personal. I love that, that he's walking with them here and he relates to them. He is personal to them. You're sad. Let's talk about it. And each one of us, each one of us in this room, we have examples of our lives, of our personal relationship with Jesus, how Jesus at one time or point in time for each one of us, our testimony, Jesus spoke into our lives. Jesus became real to us. He became known to us. And we said, this is it. You've been who I've, looked for, I've been looking for, for for all my life. You're that answer I've been seeking. For me, I was five years old. And I was getting ready for church in the morning on Sunday. And my mom and I had a bad argument. And I was rotten to her. Said some rotten things. And I was angry. And I was in that car, and we were driving to church, and I was all attitude. You know, I'm going, I can't believe it. You know, a little five-year-old who thought I knew everything already, you know. And I remember going to church and sitting down, and I remember the pastor getting up, my pastor, and speaking. And I remember him talking about sin and begin to explain what sin is. And he talked about for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God, and he explained about missing the mark and about these things. That, and I, and I, it struck me. I was five years old, but it struck me in my face. I'm a sinner. I just sinned against my mom. I, I'm, I'm awful. I'm rotten. And so he's speaking, and I'm getting, you know, the, the, the Spirit's speaking to my heart, and I, I'm, you know, sitting there. And at the, end of the, at the end of the service, he gives an altar call. He shares the gospel. He says, you know, Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins, and he rose from the dead, and he, he wants to know he wants a relationship with you. And I knew I needed that. I knew that he was talking to me. I was so scared because it's a big church and we were in the back and it was a long aisle. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, shaking. And I get up and I get on my feet and I walk out to the edge and I start to make my way down the aisle. And I get like three steps and I feel an arm come around my shoulder. And I look up and I look to see my dad. And he has tears in his eyes and he walks me down to accept the Lord as my Savior. I knew that I needed Jesus. I knew that he was the answer, that, he, he, that his, his word was true. I didn't know everything. I still don't know everything. But what I knew, and with what I knew, I knew that Jesus was who I needed. I needed to have that relationship with him. And for each one of us, it's different. The testimonies are different. Whether, whether you came to know the Lord later in life or earlier in life or in the middle of your life, it doesn't matter. Each one of us, Jesus became personal to, didn't he? became that personal Savior, that personal Lord. Verses 18 through 24. This, it says, Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Now, I want to read this how how I imagine the whole conversation going. Because I don't think that Cleopas gave this doctrinal statement. I don't think he put on that holy voice, and began to talk. And let me explain the situation of what is just... I think he was just spilling his guts. You ever done that before? Someone asks you a question, how you're doing, and it just comes out. I can't believe that, you know. Sometimes, when you know, we as Christians, we ask somebody, well, how's it going, you know? Honestly, let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we really aren't interested in hearing how it really is going. We're just saying that to be nice, you know. And have you ever done that with somebody, and then they just spill their guts? You're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting this. That's what it's really about. You know, so Jesus says, what's going on? Why are you sad? And then he says, oh, 
Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known these things which happened in these days? Where have you been? Don't you know what's going on? And he said to them, Jesus said, well, what things? And they said to him, these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. He was mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And, and, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. They crucified him. They murdered him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day since these things have happened. You know, this is recent. It just happened. And yes, a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early just amazed us. She astonished us. And when they didn't find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Can you see them just spilling their guts? This is, where have you been? This is what happened to you. Don't you even know the story? We've got to tell you, this is what took place. We didn't expect this at all. I love this because it shows me so clearly that Jesus is approachable. He's approachable. They could spill their guts to him. They could share it all. They could talk about how bummed out they were about the situation. And he listened. He heard them out. You know, he knew the whole situation. He knew the story. I mean, he was there, you know, when it all went down, when it happened. But he asked him what things. He said, just, just spill. Let me know. Because he wants a relationship with us, because his love for us is so personal, he's approachable. He didn't just give lectures. He asked questions and let people speak. Isn't that amazing? He just listened. Do we listen? I, I'm working on this. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm talking with my wife, you know, and I'm, I'm talking to her, we're having a discussion, I'm not listening very much to what she's saying. I'm thinking of what I'm going to respond. You ever do that? I'm, I'm three steps ahead. And then, you know, she calls me on it. <laughs> Are you paying attention to the things I'm saying? And then, you know, us guys, we try to fake our way through. Well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, there's... Man, oh my gosh, what word did she... Okay, yeah, she said hope. Okay, yeah, you were saying something about hope. I th- you know, you know we, we fake it sometimes. Jesus listened, and he still listens. And he wants us to listen. Do you listen to people when they're speaking to you? When we go out in this community, when you go out these doors, and when you meet people and, and begin a relationship and begin a conversation with them, do you listen to what they really have to say? Yeah, that really convicts me (laughs) in my life. He knew all the answers. And that's another thing. We might have the answers. We might say, you know, of course, we have the word of God. That's the answer to their question, you know. And we want to get to the point where we're giving them the answer. But are we listening? Are we listening to what they have to say? Jesus is. He's listening. He listens to us. He hears us out. Can you imagine being Jesus in heaven, listening to some of our prayers sometimes? I'm so, you, you know, be thankful I'm not Jesus because I'd get frustrated really quick. You know, Lord Jesus, I, I really want this and, you know, I could have this and I could sure use this thing and, and Jesus, it'd be great, you know. And, and, you know, I'd be like, come on, you know, what, what is the, what's the deal? What are you, you just asking for stuff all the time? Jesus loves to hear us. <laughs> he wants us to approach him. We can go boldly before the throne of grace. He's approachable. When he died on the cross, he that, 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 Middle wall of separation was torn in two. The veil in the temple from top to bottom. That holy of holies that only the priest could go in once a year. And if he went in it without everything right before God, he'd drop dead and they'd have to pull him out by a rope. 
When Jesus died, that, that veil was torn in two. And that access that no one had to God was given where we can go and approach his throne of grace and seek him. Jesus is approachable. I love that. And we need to be. We need to be accessible to people. We need to listen. We need to allow them to feel comfortable to approach us. I had a really intense circumstance happen the other week. And, and um, last Saturday, before I came out here, I got a call at 1030 at night. And um, I was in my pajamas. We're getting ready to go to bed. And the phone, call, phone rings, and it's the hospital in our area, the local hospital. And they said, we've got a situation. People are asking for a pastor. We need you to come down here as soon as you can. And so we're really close. A few minutes later, I'm down at the hospital, and I come into the situation where there is a couple, and they're a fairly young couple, and their three-year-old daughter fell into the jacuzzi when no one was paying attention and drowned. I, you know, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> and, they, and they are just in such grief that you can't even fathom what they're going through. And, I'm, and I, I go over and they said, oh, thank you so much. They don't know me. I don't know them. I don't know them at all. Never seen them before in my life. So they've never seen me before. And, and the, 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 the friend to, to the wife, she says, would you just pray? I said, of course. And, and I just laid hands on the three of them and we just began, I began to pray. You know, and she's just sobbing. And, and, and then her, her, you know, she's here and her husband's over here and he is just you know, crying out in agony and grief, you know, God, why? What's going on? Why, Lord? And he's just, you know, moaning and wailing in pain that's just so deep. And I, you know, go over and praying with him a little bit. And I knew a guy that worked at the hospital, and he, um, I said, can I go in and pray for the little girl? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll check. And I went in there, and I went into this room, and there's 10 medical staff all around, and this little three-year-old, her little lifeless body is on a table, and they're still, after 35 minutes, still doing CPR, still doing chest compressions on her. And it's, it's, at this point, it's futile, but they're just, they didn't want to give up. They didn't want to give up. And, and I held her little hand, you know, and just feeling that cold hand and just <sighs> wishing so much that, Lord, just as you raised Lazarus from the dead, raise her up. If it's be your will, Lord, raise her up. And I prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and it didn't happen. And I went back out, and I told them I had prayed for her, and I talked with them. And I just, you know, a, a, a guy that knew this man, uh, a, a chaplain at a church came, and was a friend of his, and he's just, he's in tears, and he says, what do I do? I don't know him either. I said, you know, we can't lecture them. We can't sermonize. We can't preach to them. We just need to love and pray. That's it. Just love them. So we just sat there, and I sat with my arm around her, and I sat with my arm around him at separate times, and I just cried and wept and prayed with him and loved him. That's, what else can we do? Jesus is approachable. (laughs) Jesus is there in the midst of our pain and our grief, and he is loving us. He is praying for us. He has his arm around us and is holding us. He's not preaching at us. He's speaking into our lives, and he's caring for us. And, and, and he desires us to do the same, to do the same to this dying world. Verses 25 through 27. i got to get done pretty soon here, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And he began at Moses and all the prophets, and he expounded them in all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. This is awesome. He, he heard them out. He listened to them. He let them say their piece and speak everything. And then he just didn't go, oh, you know, oh, that's great. That's good for you. Just, you know, enjoy those thoughts and dwell upon those things and meditate, reflect upon those things. No, he gave them truth, didn't he? <laughs> he explained himself to them. He said, let me, let me just, let me guide you. Let me get direct you. You know, he, he didn't, he, he wasn't like some people. Some people, I believe, really think that, you know, being a good person, being a nice person is, is you know, never challenging anybody. Never, you know, never really, you don't want to rock the boat. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to cause any problems. You know, so I'm not going to say anything really controversial or, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to ruin their self-esteem, <laughs> you know. I don't want to destroy their self-esteem. You know, I really am not a strong believer in self-esteem. I think that we love ourselves too much. I believe in Christ's esteem. That's who we need to esteem. That's who we need to, that's who should be high and lifted up, you know. But Jesus took the truth to them. He said, let me tell you guys, come on. Guys, you know, oh, foolish and slow of heart. Oh, let me tell you, these are the things that all the prophets have spoken Jesus was, I was, he was supposed to suffer these things and enter into glory. And then he began to sit down with them and he began to explain to them, Moses and all the prophets, I wish I could have been at that Bible study. (laughs) Don't you guys, wouldn't that be amazing to be at that Bible study? Imagine being at that study and Jesus showing that it was all about him. When we hold this word, when we read this word, got to understand that from Genesis to Revelation, it's about Jesus on every page. He is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. This is him. It's about him. Like I said, it's not a self-help book. It's not a, a book to, to teach us how to, you know, um, have a fulfilled life and get everything we want. This is about Jesus. It's a biography about him and who he is and how much he loves us. Jesus is practical. He, there's practical wisdom in the things he has to say. He's practical. He relates to our life in a practical, real way. You know, when we talk about, about being relevant, and that's a big thing, and I believe that we need to be relevant as Christians to this world. You know, I don't need to make Jesus relevant to people. He is relevant. He's never not been relevant, and he never will not be relevant. We just need to, realize, to, to direct people to that fact. <laughs> we need to draw their attention to that fact. Let me tell you how he's relevant. Jesus is, is Jesus relevant for today? Absolutely. Does he hold the answers to life's questions? Absolutely. Yes, he does. You know, just a few things. You know, we're having trouble in our marriages. Well, we go to Jesus. What does he say? Love your wives if Christ loved the church and gave his life for that. Who's our example? It's Jesus. How are we supposed to love? Like Jesus. How do we have a marriage that does anything to honor God? By Jesus. <laughs> By looking at him. By saying he's my example. He's who I want to be like. I want to be a husband that's modeled after him. That's like him. Trouble at work. How many of you guys ever have trouble at work? I know you guys don't ever have any problems like that. It's just me. Um, Colossians 3, it talks about whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward and inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Trouble at work, it's about Jesus. Focus on him. He's the one that we put our attention on, and he's the one who is our strength. He's that rep- our example to look at and to say, Jesus, just, <laughs> I need you. Be my strength. Help me. We could go on and on all day long about the practical wisdom 
that Jesus has given us and the practical relationship that Jesus has with us and how he is a part of every facet of our life and has the answer to every question we will ever ask, you know. And then verses 28 through 32, and I promise I am finishing. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and that their eyes were opened and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. Jesus was their foundation. Jesus is our foundation. Jesus, he, he, he spoke with them. He showed them that Genesis to Revelation, it's, it, well, at that time, Genesis, the, pro, the law and the prophets, it's all about him. It's about me. And when they understood that, when they realized that truth, that he is who we and the li- our lives and our ministries and who we are, he is who we need to revolve around. That the, the centered and focused on the cross, when they understood that, their hearts burned within them. And, and then what did they do? What did they do with this? They wanted to go back and tell everybody. <laughs> saw, we got to, oh my God, goodness, this was Jesus. He walked with us. He talked to us. He, he, that was him. Their eyes were open. They saw who it was, didn't our hearts? We knew something was going on when he was speaking. It was different because <laughs> he was talking straight to us and there were some things he was saying that were more clear than any other time we've ever heard it in our lives. We need to go tell people. We, need to, we, we can't keep quiet about this. We, you can't shut us up. <laughs> and they went back and shared. That's with us. That's us, the body of Christ. Jesus has come to us. He has a personal relationship with us. He's made himself known to us. He is why we're here. He is who we are here about. He is who we are to lift up and to praise and honor and glorify. And then we take it out to this world. And we share it with them because we can't hold it in. We can't contain it. We can't keep it inside. You know, it, it's... It, He's our foundation. He's what this is all about. He's why we're here. It's because of him. It's through him. It's by him. All we are, all we do, all we have is by Jesus, through Jesus, and because of Jesus. And that's... (laughs) And if we remember that, and if we keep our hearts and mind focused on that, God's going to use it. He's going to use us. Not only has he changed and will he change our lives and continue to draw us closer to him and change us, but we'll change this community. We'll change this world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for just fellowship, Lord, for your word that's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord. And Father, I just pray even right now as I speak, anything that I have said for this last several, several minutes, Um, that's of me, just, Lord, help everyone to forget. And those things that are of you, the truths of your word, your spirit speaking to our hearts, may we hold on to those things, may we remember. And Lord, may we, Lord, I like what Ryan says, Lord. May we just go and make you famous, Lord Jesus. I just pray these things in your precious, beautiful, awesome name, Jesus. Amen.